You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership. Hello and welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. I'm your host, David Frizzell, and this episode really doesn't need a long introduction. If you want to know why strategy is so important in any organization, if you want to know how to structure a strategic planning conversation, if you want to know the right questions to ask in that conversation, and if you want to know how to make a good strategic plan stick across an organization, you're in the right place. My guest is Rosie Yo. She's written a terrific book called Go for Gold, How to Create Powerful Strategy in Uncertain Times. And just as we like it here on the Team Guru podcast, she's awesome at telling us all about it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Rosie Yo. Rosie Yo, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. Hi, David. Lovely to be here. Fantastic to have you, Rosie. Hey, look, not only have you written this super cool book called Go for Bold, How to Create Powerful Strategy in Uncertain Times, you're also known as the Strategy Alchemist. That's a pretty cool title. Tell me about that. What does it mean? So, Strategy Alchemy is something that I've been thinking about for a long time and working with a lot of clients on as well. When you think about it, often we think of strategy as being this very rigid process-driven thing. You know, you've got um, got da- exactly, you get all your data and you get all your PowerPoints and lots of people do presentations and yep, information is part of it, but strategy is much more than that. In fact, what we need to do is blend that information with a good dose of imagination to start imagining the future and what is possible. And those two ingredients then need to be blended with a third, which is a shared ambition. So the more we really understand our core purpose and what our ultimate objective is, the more powerfully we can create better strategy because it gives us more more, uh, perspective and more depth and more possibilities. So alchemy is the blending of, you know, different base ingredients to create something more powerful. And that's what we aim to do every time we get together for a conversation about strategy. Take together those perspectives, those ideas, those possibilities and blend it into something really powerful. It feels as though that's not the first time you've explained that. No, because well, you can imagine, you know, you can walk into a room and, mm, strategy alchemist, you don't have a cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> what is this about? And is this just a bit of smoke and mirrors? Because of course, you know, strategy is so important. It's just the most important thing we can do. But it's not just about everybody sitting around being really serious. You know, like if you have a conversation and there's some interest to it and some surprising conversations, then all of a sudden there's more possibility in the room, not less possibility in the room. And that's where you can get some magical conversations because people do find, they feel they've got permission to think about other options, to wonder out loud what's possible. Hey, of course, we're going to extract from you your most powerful advice about creating powerful strategy. Um, (laughs) But before we get there, let's, let's make sure we're on the same page about what we're talking about. Is the word strategy well understood from your point of view? Do you feel as though, and this is a loaded question, obviously, because this is what I think. Do you feel as though the word strategy is overused, misused, well understood? Give Give me a good spiel about that. 
I think it is completely overused. We use that word all the time and it is very misunderstood Mm. as well. I mean, you think about the times it gets thrown into the conversation. You know, you've got a strategic plan. We've got strategic objectives. People make strategic decisions. You know, you've got corporate strategy, business strategy. We use it all the time and we never stop to think, what does it actually mean? You know, sometimes people will say, well, we've got a target to get to X number of sales by this year. You know, that's our strategy. I'm like, that's not a strategy. That's a target. Yeah. And then at the same time, you have all these strategy meetings where one of the worst things that happens in a strategy meeting is that everybody sits around arguing about definitions. You know, no, you can't talk about that because it's an objective. No, that's really a goal. So I think pulling it back and starting to think, what do we actually mean when we talk about strategy is a really important part of the puzzle. And for me, strategy, you know, at its simplest is just a plan to achieve long-term competitive advantage. So in other words, how do we do better than our competitors or any potential substitutes with what we offer? And not just now, but over time, because strategy is always about your long game. I like that. Strategy is a plan to achieve long-term competitive advantage over time. Very nice. Because one of the things that I've noticed is we often use the word strategy when we, all, we, we mean all sorts of things, and often it's about tactics. So one of the, thi- one of the divisions in my mind, I've, I feel like I hear strategy used when people actually mean tactics. Can you talk about the difference between a tactic and, and a strategy? Mm-hmm. And look, tactics are really important, but I think what happens is people jump into tactics quite often, you know, what do we need to do right now without taking a step back? Because strategy is all about that bigger picture. So another way of thinking about it is that if strategy is our story, then it's about who are we right now? Where are we trying to get to over the long term? You know, how are we going to do it? And why does it matter? And the how are we going to do it? is the bit where you can start talking about tactics and possibilities, whether they be, you know, the sort of the very short-term tactics. But that's always got to be seen in the context of what your bigger picture is and what your longer-term strategy is. Another way you can think about it is that strategy at its heart is like a brilliant idea of how you're going to get to the long-term. So if you think about strategy as being, you know, this, this great idea, you've got this nugget of insight about how you're going to do things differently or how you're going to do things better or how you're going to absolutely stand ahead of the pack. And then you need a clear pathway. So there needs to be a really careful planning of how you're actually going to bring that great idea into life. And then, of course, the third element would always be that far horizon because you are looking at the long-term benefit of all of this. So again, tactics are fantastic, but you've got to see them in the context of that longer story and that bigger picture not just narrow in on sort of one little, you know, cobblestone on the road, if you like. Hey, you talked before about the fact that sometimes in a strategic conversation, in a planning conversation, which is hugely important for organizations to get right, people can get bogged down in arguments about definitions of words and what's in and out of scope for this particular conversation. How do you as a facilitator navigate through those type of getting bogged down conversations? Well, I think the first thing I do is start with a really clear process and agenda. And, you know, when I first started facilitating strategy, I always fell back on the very detailed, you know, highly traditional structure of let's talk about the vision and let's talk about the mission and let's then start talk setting goals and objectives and strategies. And that has a place. And sometimes organizations like to work that way. 
But more and more I've found that the simpler you make the structure of the conversation, the more valuable the conversations within that structure are. So for example, I often just have in a strategy session, I just walk through a five-step process where you start by saying, you know, you literally start from, you know, thinking about our starting point, you know, where are we right now? Who are we? And where are we right now? And then talk about our shared ambitions. What is it we want to achieve over time? What's the real purpose of our being, you know, and what do we all agree is the most important thing to achieve? Then you start thinking about the keys to success. So, you know, what are the hurdles we need to get over? What are the potential competitors we need to factor in? What are the enablers? What are the things either internal, external that need to go right or that we can harness to go right to help us get there? And then once you've identified those keys to success, then you start thinking about your strategic priorities. So what are the three to five areas that we could really focus on that are going to be the ones that make a difference? So they're going to absolutely get us over the barriers and make the most of the enablers. And that's effectively your strategies then. And then you've sort of got those key areas of focus that are most important for achieving success. And then you can narrow down into some of the tactics like, okay, well, for each of those, if we've identified that's those are the most important areas to get right, what do we actually do in those areas? And then, then all of a sudden you've got, you know, it's, it's very similar to a traditional strategic planning process, but by avoiding some of those definitions that tend to be quite loaded for people, you can focus on the intent rather than the wordsmithing of all of these things. Hey, that was gold then. And I'm just wondering if I got your fifth step right. I think your, st- your fifth step was about narrowing it down into tactics, the execution yeah, part of the plan. Actually what you actually how you actually bring that to life. Yep. Well, great. I got that right. Now let's go through them from one to five again, because that mm-hmm. was absolute gold, Rosie. Number one was where are we right now? Who are we? What do we stand for? What's our identity? All of that kind of stuff. And I guess how we are performing right now. Geez, I imagine, you know, that's one that's step one of five, but that's a huge conversation and and there'd be all sorts of different views that exist within organizations about where we are right now and and how we interpret all the bits of information that we have access to. So that's a fabulous mm-hmm. first step. Number mm-hmm. two is what are our shared ambitions over time? Number three, what are our keys to success? That's by identifying the hurdles and identifying the enablers, the things that are going to help us get over those hurdles. Number four, that's when we can craft our strategic priorities, the three to five areas that will make a difference in our competitive advantage over time. And number five, as we said, is to narrow it down into tactics, the execution part of the strategy. Tell you what, I'm going to hit you for more gold as the conversation goes, but that's pretty good now. That's a, that's a pretty good place to go, Rosie, because I'm guessing that you've done a few of these conversations. Hey, tell me about, I guess, I, I, I sort of want to know two things here. I, I want to know what can be missing from an organization. What does it feel like inside an organization when our strategy is not clear? And therefore, I guess the, the natural partner of that question of what have you seen a good strategic plan do for an organization, for the people who exist within it? And for the organization as a whole, tell, tell us about that story. What does it look like when we don't have one? And what sort of success have you seen when we get a good one? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting when you think about organizations that don't have one. Sometimes, I mean, I'd probably put in the phrase there that it's organizations that don't have an effective strategy are sometimes the ones that actually they have the strategy on the on the, on the the bookshelf. You mm. know, like you can walk into a meeting with the CEO or the chair. Exactly. You know, when you ask them about the strategy, they kind of do sort of vaguely wave their arm and go, yeah, it's over there on the bookshelf. Um, I'll send you a copy. 
Whereas in an organization where it's really clear, you know, not just the CEO, but key people within the organization can tell you it right away. They actually understand it and they live it because it's part of what they do and it's part of the DNA of the organization. So I think, you know, there's lots of organizations that have very detailed plans that become so burrowed into, I mean, they, they effectively have great business plans, you know, very detailed operational manuals, but nobody can pull out for you. But what's the core? What's the essence of this strategy? What's the great idea behind it? What's the, the shared ambition that we all understand and we're all heading to? And that, of course, makes such a difference because it means that you're not lurching from crisis to crisis without, or just decision to decision without that clear sense of where you're trying to get to. Particularly in the last couple of years, so many organizations have been so fantastic at adapting and changing things and being creative about the way they respond to the immediate crisis, but it hasn't made it easy for them to also take that time to look ahead and start focusing again on their long game. So, you know, and then there are the others that have literally had the same template for planning every year. So it's like literally, oh, it's coming up to June, right? We've got our annual strategy day, dust off the, uh, yeah, dust off the agenda and get all the PowerPoints in, you know, make sure we spend the first half of the day, at least with everybody just turgically generating their, their data. And like, you know, data is so important, but, you know, spending the first half of a strategy day, just, you know, re-saying everything that everybody already knows and going into immense detail, not about, you know, about the detail rather than what it means is not useful. And then on the other hand, you've got organizations who live and breathe their strategy. And I think there's a couple of things there. First of all, there is this really clear shared ambition and it's, it's crisp. You know, like everybody can say it to you. It's like the classic elevator pitch. They can say what's most important for the organization. And that core purpose and the shared ambition comes first. And the interesting thing is that they're the organizations that can make bold decisions because they see the risks in the context of that long-term plan. So it actually makes it easier to take bold decisions and everybody line up and support them, line up behind them, because they see it in that broader context. You know, it's not just about what, you know, what it means for the budget in the next six months. It's actually about, yes, we can see this one's a worthwhile, brave move to take because we can see how it feeds into our shared ambition. And I think there's also the organizations that do it best have an openness and curiosity to what's possible. So strategy is not something that's seen as a, um, you know, as a tedious process that has to be gone through. You know, it's actually one where people are going, you know what, we've got our strategy session coming in. That's going to be interesting. We're going to have some interesting conversations and I'm curious to see what comes out of it and excited. So it's a very different mindset. Whether it's a half-day energizer session or a comprehensive team and leadership program, Team Guru's unique approach could be just what the doctor ordered for your organization. I think I know the answer to this, but I'd love to hear you talk about it. What's wrong with being a strategy light organization and just being an execution heavy organization? Something that's, you know, we've delivered a service or a product for a long time. And rather than spend days talking about strategy, being vague, dusting off an agenda that, that no one's bought into, we actually just plow on with what we do and get super awesome at execution. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think an organization like that can do so well as long 
as nothing, nothing changes. changes in the world, you know. I don't know. It seems like the world changes a little bit most of the time. So it's hard to, but you know, it's hard to think of an organization that doesn't need to be open to what else is going on in the world, you know, and what's changing and, and taking that broader perspective. And I think the other thing about organizations with great strategy is that it's an ongoing conversation. You know, you don't just have your strategy day and then go, right, We're set, done that. Yeah. let's go. See you next year. It, yeah, but the organizations that are constantly looking around, constantly having those conversations about what's most important, you know, where are we going in our strategy? What's changed in our assessment? They're the ones that really do well. Oh, you know what? As I answered, asked that question, I was thinking <laughs> of how I would answer it. And I reckon I would almost have answered it exactly word for word because there is something very attractive about being really awesome at execution. I mean, a lot of organizations would do much better if they just got really serious about executing awesomely. But as you said, that would be fine if the world didn't change. And of course, the world does change. And our experience over the last few years is that it can change enormously. Hey, you know, when we talk about organizations that do or don't have effective strategies, the kind of strategy that people can talk to you about in an elevator, they know the three to five priorities that we're working on. They know how we're going to get there. They're able to put all decisions, whether short-term, medium, or long-term, into the context of their strategy and how healthy that is, I bet you've seen some really fantastic turnarounds in organizations. When you've worked with them on strategy, you've gotten really clear around the language and the purpose and the shared vision and just what they that can do from top to bottom through every day in every week for the people who work there and, and the customers who engage with it. Mm, it makes an absolute difference. I mean, I remember one organization that I, I first started working with a number of years ago, and they'd gone through a really rugged, they'd gone through a really rugged time. It was very difficult, you know, it had been a difficult couple of years. So I was brought in for their, you know, there were eight of them in a small hotel just outside of Sydney. And this was their chance to regroup after this really tough couple of years. The organization had been pared back and you know, they had to sit there and go, right, we're here now. We want to make a difference. We want to move forward. What do we do? And through that two-day offsite, they actually made a big, you know, what I saw was a big, bold decision that one of the biggest decisions they made was that they weren't happy just being an Australian company. They actually wanted to expand their footprint globally. And at the time, I was pretty impressed by the, you know, by their willingness to go there. And, you know, we mapped out what that looked like and whether they had the potential to do it. And, you know, the decision was made at the end of those two days that, yes, this was the direction they were going to head. And, you know, within five years, instead of going down to Barrel for their strategic insight, strategic offsite, I was flying to Abu Dhabi because I had to fly people in from seven countries wow. around the world or their managers. Were you flying in thinking to yourself, I did this, I built this? I flew in feeling very proud of what they'd done and thrilled that I'd been walking with them along the journey. So it was really, it was, it was fantastic to see that happen. Yeah, that's a super cool experience. Hey, you know, with this whole COVID thing that you might have heard about, I'm wondering if there were some organizations who traditionally have been pretty good at the strategic thinking, the planning and communicating it and getting it pretty right. But because of the nature of the change through the, the really heavy COVID period, I'm guessing and I've experienced that there's been a few organizations that have kind of been knocked off their habit of doing that well doing the strategic long-term planning well and articulating it well because they got so used 
to managing things week to week, day to day, lockdown to lockdown, and what it meant for their employees and all of their stakeholders, that they might have just kind of been knocked out of the habit of doing it well. And indeed, even sitting in a room right now, part of their brain is thinking, well, will, will this really happen? Or will things change so significantly? Now, I know there's a a theme of your book that's dedicated to this that I haven't really latched onto, but just as a, a kind of an isolated thought, is that right? Are there organizations in that position and and what advice would you give them? Mm, oh, absolutely. And I mean, most of my clients, you know, I'm always used to the first question you ask is, you know, what sort of time horizon are we looking at when we're talking strategy? And most of my clients would normally say, oh, we want to do a three-year or a five-year or, you know, I've worked on 20-year strategies. But for the last two years, almost everyone was saying, you know, up until about six months ago, everyone was saying the same thing. You know, we we just need to survive the next six to 12 months and then we'll worry about the future later. And it absolutely makes sense up to a point because there was so much to get done in that time. But I think, you know, particularly over the last six months, organisations are now realising that we can't just stay fixed in the moment forever because we are now starting to miss the opportunity to create a better future path. And I also think that, you know, hopefully the one thing I don't think all organisations have realised is that just that that ability to pivot and that ability to think differently and do different things really quickly, that shouldn't just be said, you know, we shouldn't just accept that and go, yep, that was fantastic for the last two years. Those skills are so valuable and so important and we almost need to capture that ability to adapt so quickly and be willing to be open to change and see how we can take that into planning for the long game. Don't just leave it behind because it's it's powerful. I mean, I think we've all stunned ourselves at how well we've been able to do this. I've mused a number of times on this podcast about imagine pre-COVID if we said in a large organization, hey, next year, 80% of us have to be able to work from home every day. Can you imagine, and I've said this, my listeners will be sick of hearing me say this, you know, the endless meetings and plans and PowerPoints and everything else that would have gone along with doing that if we had warning about it, but we didn't have warning. We just found ourselves needing to do it and we pulled it off. And sure, there were speed bumps along the way and hiccups and and it was more difficult for some people than others. And lots of us struggled with it and some people loved it. I loved it. But we did it. And it was amazing how we did it. And you're right when you say the smart organizations have learned the lesson out of this and what we're capable of. And even if one day there is no more COVID and we we don't have to continue to think about it and plan around it, if we can remember, though, had, how agile we prove that we are, that'd be an enormous positive to come out of it. Mm, completely. And it was across the board too, you know, nonprofits, corporates, government, I mean, I'm amazed by, you know, telehealth. I think back in March 2020, we had about, there were about 20,000 telehealth consultations per month. And within two months, it was up somewhere around 6 million. That's incredible. Like 10 years just telescoped into two months. Yeah. Incredible. It's absolutely amazing. All right. Now, we're going to get very soon. My next question will be about those top three tips you're going to leave us with. Before we get there, you wrote a little bit in your book about this, and I found it very interesting. When a senior leader in an organization says to you, hey, I want my people to be able to think more strategically, over time you've learned that they can mean a whole bunch of different things. Give us a little bit of insight into what a leader is really thinking when they state that they want their people to think more strategically. Mm, It's interesting. Sometimes 
Leaders just want their people to prioritise differently, to just avoid being swamped by the everyday. You know, they feel like their people are just so down in the weeds getting stuff done that they just don't look up enough. And so they they need to learn to prioritise differently. Sometimes people, for people, it's about, it's their way of saying that they want their people to take more initiative, you know, and, and be open to trying new things or being open to new ways of looking at things. And also with that, sometimes it's about, you know, coming up with new ideas themselves. So actually coming to the fore rather than waiting for the problems to be solved. I remember way back in the day, one of my first bosses would always say, you know, happy to have a conversation with you about a problem, but you're only allowed to come in and talk about the problem if you've got at least two solutions to put up. Mm, you know, don't know if they don't have to be perfect, though. but yeah, it was interesting. And I think basically leaders want to see their teams being active participants in the big strategy picture. So, and that means sort of observing, questioning, raising ideas and being open to having those conversations rather than just tell me what to do and I will sit here and do it. Because that's the way we all get to stay one step ahead, right? That that constant questioning, testing and talking with each other about it. Hey, what do you see good leaders do really well when it comes to communicating a strategy in an organization? Because there, there's a certain level in the organization where the strategy is really relevant. You know, they were in the room when those eight people were having that conversation with you in a small hotel in Sydney that eventually led to you going to Abu Dhabi. You know, but there are other, there are, you know, tens, hundreds of other people in the organization who are nowhere near that room and who are layers away from it and who, no matter how well-intentioned they are to connect with the strategy, they have everyday jobs to get through that don't change enormously day to day. They'll change over time, of course, but you know, due to a strategy, but not enormously day to day. What do the good leaders do to keep those on the front line at the coalface of organizations engaged with this changing narrative? Well, I think the first thing is, well, there's two things I'd say. The first is they have to make sure there is genuine consensus about and genuine support for the strategy within, first of all, within the room of people that are setting the strategy. You know, so often you get to like, I don't know, it's 20 to 5, the session's about to finish, all of a sudden people start, you know, racing ahead to yeah, the fit. Yes, three, yes, three we've got all down. these split trusts. Yeah, yeah, get, we've got to go. Drinks is at 5, <laughs> you know. So actually making sure there's the time and space for people to reach consensus on what's most important those people, because consensus is not just about everybody getting what they want all the time. It's actually about that group of people in the room going, you know, it may not be my 10 out of 10 best solution on everything, but I understand how we have a group, as a group have got to this point and I'm willing to go back and tell my team why it's the best decision at the time and genuinely work to bring it to life. So that then starts to cascade the message down. You know, if there's a genuine commitment in that leadership team, then you can start cascading that down and communicating that more broadly throughout the organization. And I do think ultimately the leader of an organization has incredible power when it comes to the way they communicate their story and their organization's story. And again, strategy is that. It's just our story. And so it has to be shared with all the people in the organization. You're so right. You know, those eight people who are in the room, when you have that conversation where the four points make it up onto the flip chart and it eventually gets written up and that becomes the thing. 
If everyone leaves that room thinking, well, I had my say, and this is Lencioni type stuff, I, I might not have agreed with it, but I felt heard. And we, we knocked around my ideas um, and squashed them or otherwise enough for, for me to feel as though I was part of this conversation. I've bought into it. And now I'm going to go away and be one of the eight fantastic cheerleaders for this new plan because I've, I, I feel heard. I, I agree with it. I'm on board. And if you're a senior leadership team in an organization and you're sending those eight people or how, however many it is for you out of the room and you know that X number of them are not on board, they're not advocates for your strategy, then you're up against it straight away. Those eight people need to be your best communicators about it because there are people on the front line who aren't going to be in that room. They need it to be communicated positively to them. And the other thing Absolutely. you said was we can never underestimate the power of the head figure, the CEO or the leader of the organization and and the way they talk about it, how articulately and how passionately and how regularly they talk about it. Absolutely. And I also think, you know, again, we don't always give ourselves enough time to reach that genuine consensus. Time and creative space are two of the most important things you need to allocate to these strategy conversations. You know, you do actually need to give that space to people to work through what the options are and what the issues are and and what the best possible resolution is. Can you believe it, Rosie? 30 minutes has whizzed by. So here's <laughs> here's the money shot. Here's the, the shot after the buzzer from the free point line. Tell me about the, your top three tips. So we've laid the foundation. We understand what strategy is. We know why it's so valuable. We understand how important it is for those people in a room to be great communicators about it. We know what it's like in an organization when we don't have it. What are your top three tips for those of us listening who are in some way charged with developing a strategy in their organization? I'm going to give you three tips and I might need to explain what they are too, David. We can go over time. I'm the boss. (laughs) Okay. Well, look, I would say the three tips for any leader with a team would be you need to look up, you need to look around, and you need to lock in with strategy. And what I mean by that is you need to look up You need to look further and faster, just really be open to not just a time horizon, but also an idea horizon, if you like. So look further up and think about what's possible. Ask yourself, what if more often? Bring that creativity and imagination into the process. The second one is look around, open your perspective wider. Make sure you've got different ideas coming in that you're looking beyond what you know already and what works for you really well already. Just look around and get that wider perspective into other industries or other sectors or bring different thinkers into the mix for part of your strategy. Absolutely. And the third one is lock in. Great strategists make decisions. They don't just think about ideas. They actually reach decisions and go and implement them. So, you know, we can't do everything. And at the end of the day, we have to make choices. So lock in on the best possible choices and go and do them. Don't just talk about it. Hey, you know, Rosie, when I first started in this consulting game and and running workshops, and I I bet I've done nowhere near as many strategic planning workshops as you have, but it always amazes me that no matter how big and grand the organization or the strategy or the change is, it comes down to a small number of people in a room and the conversations are often pretty messy. These keywords always end up at some point on a flip chart, on a wall, in messy handwriting, 
that eventually gets transcribed, you know, gets photographed and then transcribed by someone and at some point made into a nice PowerPoint presentation and it starts from there. But does it still amaze you that some of these big sliding door moments in organizations as, what's the word, as collegiate, as collaborative, as as wide as we want the conversation to be, it really does come down to a small number of people in a room making big decisions. And there's a magic to it. We come back to the strategy alchemy. When those people in a room have actually gone through that process and reached a landing point that they're all excited about, that's a magic moment for an organization. And they do, those conversations really do have power and impact for the long term. That's a great place to leave it. It really is a magic moment. Just as we're talking about this, I'm thinking back to a number of the really magic conversations I've been in over time that have had have landed and people have walked out excited and something's happened. I bet that's one of the most fulfilling parts of your job is, is having those things. And as you say earlier, at some point flying to Abu Dhabi and remembering that conversation in that small hotel. Yeah, it, look, it's an absolute privilege to be in the room during those conversations and be part, you know, walk with the organization throughout that process. It's it's an absolute pleasure to do it. So Good on you, Rosie. Well, what's been an absolute pleasure is reading your book and chatting with you tonight. Thank you so much for joining me on the Team Guru podcast. Oh, thanks, David. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And that was Rosie Yo, packed full of awesome advice and insight about developing and delivering powerful strategy. Those five steps for running a strategy session. Number one, ask, where are we right now? Who are we? What do we stand for? Number two, identify our shared ambitions. And this is important, our shared ambitions over time. Number three, ask what are our keys to success? What are the hurdles that will get in our way and the enablers that will get us over them? Number four, now it's time to hit strategic priorities, three to five areas that will make a difference. And number five, narrowed down into tactics. This is the execution piece. How are we actually going to do it? So they're the steps for running the session. And Rosie also had three awesome key mindsets or questions to ask. Number one, look up and wonder, what if? Number two, look around and consider, what about? And number three, lock in and commit to what matters most. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Rosie on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teamswithans.guru forward slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud or LinkedIn and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.